Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Buzz Podcast. We're so happy that you're joining us today because we are always talking about different Catholic topics in the life uh, of uh, the Catholic Church. And uh, we're so delighted to be back here after a week's hiatus for Easter. And my name is Father Daniele. I'm always joined by Josh Sullivan Hello. over here. And the person who didn't get a visit from the Easter Bunny, it's Matt Van Milligan. <laughs> Matt, welcome to you. Hello. Yeah, happy Easter. We took, we took a week off. Yeah, hey, it's just risen. A, Jesus is risen. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. Busy season. Busy season. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. And, uh, but your time was well. We were limited, of course, with the sh- initial shutdown, then the stay-at-home order. But you guys were okay to uh, celebrate as best as you could? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We had, I mean, we kind of had planned for that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And my wife works, my wife uh, is a nurse and so she does shift work and so she was actually working from like the the Easter Sunday evening shift and so she was able to wake up and see what the Easter Bunny brought with us and then get to Mass that morning and then that was pretty much her morning and she yeah. had to go. So it was just me and the boys and when I asked them, they really wanted hamburgers for supper so we had Easter hamburgers. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Nice. How about you? Yeah. Um, it was yeah. It was nice to be able to attend the the vigil because um, mm. we had some some of our our CIA candidates received into the church. So that yeah. was that was exciting to be able to celebrate with them. Um, and then yeah, it feels uh, it feels like more than you know. How uh, many did you guys have? Ago. We had ten. We had ten. Wow, that's new great. Catholics that's awesome. Our Easter vigil. Yeah, it was yeah. really amazing. Congratulations to all of you. Yeah, congratulations to them. They really journeyed well with us uh, over the last number of months. But also congratulations to this guy over here, Matt, because Matt and his wife Teresa Marie, um, they run a solid encounter with with faith, like helping people journey through their faith. You know, people call the RCAA a program. Yeah. You know, but Matt and Teresa Marie really turned it into a a lived experience for people because they do, they flourish in their faith. You know, I, like I am very impressed at, at the faith that these, that yeah. these people have. And uh, thanks to the uh, influence that Matt and Teresa Marie have. So kudos to you. And it's so funny. I must laugh. And it's not funny, like, you know, hilarious funny, but it's funny because, because of the influence they have yeah. uh, on the people um, in the candidates in the RCA program. They choose Matt and Teresa Marie to be their sponsors. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, you know, so Matt, you were a sponsor. Uh, Teresa Marie was a sponsor for a number. I, th- of- I think we can partially thank COVID for that, just because people can't <laughs> yeah. or they don't have the opportunity to. But like, we were happy to kind of stand in. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, but they, they, our, our candidates love them, and they do such a, they do such a fine job. So yeah, congrats to you, Matt, because uh, you did a, you did excellent um, as usual. So uh, just quickly recap, because we, we got to get moving on a really important topic today. Yeah. But the, the Easter experience in our parish community was, was actually very nice. Mm-hmm. You know, with Holy Thursday, Good Friday, the Easter Vigil and Easter Sunday celebrations, even though um, our restrictions, uh, restrictions kind of cut halfway. Like we, we were allowed 30% for Holy Thursday, Good Friday, 15% for Holy Saturday and uh, yeah. Easter Sunday. We still did the, the most of it, uh, made the most of the, of the situation. And I thought they were moving celebrations yeah, that, that sure. really I was able to pray through them and and so I thought it was a celebrate really, yeah. yeah yeah I agree I agree I think that was a, that was one and it was cool like we pretty much hit our max every single time mm-hmm. which you always yeah. worry about like are people just not going to show up then yeah know, are they just going so uh yes happy easter to I, I don't know if we did we tell everyone well, in our last episode was the holy week episode we must have told everyone to have a happy easter so if we didn't <laughs> hopefully everyone at home watching today has had a good easter as well um, okay, 
let's go right into our topic today because this has to do with Good Friday. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you uh, were paying attention to what was happening at the Vatican for Good Friday. Uh, so Pope Francis, they say he's having a little bit of a, he's slowing down a little bit yeah. with his yeah. movement. So he presided over the Chrism Mass on th Holy Thursday morning, but not Holy Thursday evening. There was another cardinal that uh, mm. celebrated that Mass. And then for Good Friday, the service, and I think it's a tradition mm. for a Good Friday that the preacher of the people household preaches the Good Friday service. Is that, is that yeah, the I'm tradition? Not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's a, a common thing. But yeah, so Cardinal Raniero canta la messa, yeah. right? Yes. Uh, he just became a cardinal. He just became a cardinal, you're yeah, right. He was, he was, but he was still a, the preacher to he's the people preacher, And he's been for, for, for years. a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's, he's got some, he's always, if you, ever, if you ever want some good reading, go back and read some of his homilies and stuff. He's right on. There's a reason he's the preacher of the papal household. That's right. Like That's he's, right. he's very spot on. He's very uh, moving. Yeah. You know? And, and, and you should actually, if you haven't, research why he's the papal preacher. Because his story of how he got to that position was amazing. Really? Just, yeah, the way God I don't even know it. it. Yeah, basically, he, he showed up in St. Peter's Square and started yelling up to the Pope. And I don't remember exactly the words, but he started, he just kept... Uh, John Paul II? Yeah. And what, do you remember the words? I don't know do the you words, remember no. Yeah, but he's, anyways, he's yelling, something like strength, 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 something along those lines. And, and uh, the Pope at the time was praying. And whatever the Pope was praying about specifically, he was praying and it was very serious and it was very, you know, and then all of a sudden, like, it, while he's praying... <laughs> He's hearing like this, these words from, you know, and he's like, that's, that's hitting him hard. So he went over to the window and there's this little, uh, I think he's, he's Capuchin, right? Capuchin Friar. Yeah, yeah. Capuchin he's Friar uh, yelling at him words from God. Like God, God just really spoke to uh, uh, Cardinal Cantamasana then and, and, and told him to go and speak this to the Pope. He's like, I'm just, I'm just a little like. That's cool. Uh, yeah. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. So then right away, get him up here. Yeah. Know? And mm -hmm. so he has been the, the preacher of the people household, which means that they are the official preacher of the of the of the household. I guess I don't know how else. Of <laughs> <laughs> the Vatican, it's what his title says. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, but you know, that's an honor to be there because the Pope often listens to to yeah. your words. Uh, he's he is a man full of prayer, and that's yeah. what you can tell in his preaching. Yeah, you know that that comes out. Um, so yeah, he. I guess he's been through John Paul II, yeah. Benedict the Sixteenth, now Francis. And so there hasn't been a change there. I mean, he's very inspiring. I believe he's in his 90s now, or at least late 80s. Yeah. He, eh? he, I, I think 80s, but I, I, okay. I, I'm not sure. Uh, in his 80s, yeah. And he was just made a cardinal in November, in November, November. 2020. Yeah. Um, and of course, because he's over the age of 80, uh, he won't be included in the conclave. But it, this is an it's honorary title. title for him yeah, yeah. Uh, because of the, of the service he's done. Okay, why are we talking about... <laughs> Cardinal Raniero Cantalamessa. Because, because you like saying his name. Because I, I <laughs> love saying his name. In, a, in Italian, Cantalamessa yeah. eh, sings the Mass. Yeah. That's the translation, singing the Mass. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I know, Cantalamessa. Canta oh, that's yeah. right, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so Father sings the Mass, and uh, he, <laughs> but he also, besides singing the Mass, he had this profound homily. On Good Friday, we were talking about our own Easter celebrations here mm -hmm. of the Easter Trudum. So on Good Friday, he had a homily for the Good Friday service at the Vatican where he started talking about how as we're moving closer to the mysteries of, the, um, of what's happening in the, in the resurrection, he says there's a, there's a period of time where 
the apostles are sort of disbanded from each other, and then Jesus brings them back together, right? So he's on this point. He's making this uh, this uh, he's making this point, uh, I guess, right? And then he sort of brings, <laughs> brings down the two the by four yeah. <laughs> on Good Friday and says that there is a real problem of division in the church. Yeah, and I think. Uh, and he's talking about the division between Catholics. He's not talking about, you know, he, he was saying, I mean, maybe I'll, should I just read it? Because it's very, it's very, yeah, yeah. It's very so he says, fraternity among Catholics is wounded, okay? Uh, in God's eyes, the church is one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic, and will remain so until the end of the world. What is the most common cause of the bitter divisions among Catholics? It's not dogma, nor is it the sacraments and ministries. None of the things that by God's singular grace we fully and universally preserve. The divisions that polarize Catholics stem from political options that grow into ideologies, taking priority over religious and ecclesial considerations and leading to complete abandon of the value and the duty of obedience in the church. Wow. I know. He goes on. You can find this. It's, it's eight pages, it's, it's, right? It's, yeah. Well, I printed, I think it's six. Six pages? Yeah, because one was a cover letter here and whatever. Uh, but he continues on. And he goes, these divisions are very real. They're, and then he says, I like this. He goes, even, he goes, they're very real, even though they are not openly talked about or are disdainfully denied. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So lots of people say, oh, there's no problem. You know, there's this. But let's unpack what he's saying here. He's saying that the divisions are coming from political options that grow into ideologies, taking over, uh, taking priority over religious and ecclesial duty, yeah. uh, you know, the, and the value uh, of being obedient to the church. So yeah. let's unpack what that means. Yeah, I, I, again, I like that, that order of words that is like political uh, options that grow into ideology. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not a complete denial of the political sphere. It's not saying that like politics are irrelevant because... Sure. Uh, yeah, po politics. Um, there, there's a political dimension to life. Um, but I think, and, and again, uh, you, know, you don't need to spend too much time on <laughs> the internet or like <laughs> social media or like to, to see kind of the direction that public discourse has gone in recent years, let alone recent decades, um, to see that there's, there's kind of a political overdetermination, that it, it's not just um, e even in discussions about kind of sacramental, ecclesial, uh, subjects, we're not necessarily talking about this from a, theo a theological point of view. It's largely from, you know, uh, a political point of view. Yeah. Um, so what, what I like what he's saying is that um, you can talk about politics, but you, you um, and maybe I'm inferring here to say that, you know, our, our uh, understanding of the sacraments and our understanding of, you know, the teachings of the church should influence our politics rather than having our politics turn into ideologies that overdetermine the teachings of the church. So when you have people kind of encountering something they don't like or something that, you know, the Pope says that they have uh, disagreement with, something that's released by the CDF that disagrees with their politics, it's, it's an, an instinctive or um, like an immediate suspicion or rejection of teachings that are coming out of the church through the proper avenues yeah. because they disagree with kind of a, 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 a more underlying, I guess, yeah. political or ideologic, ideological sentiment. Yeah, and I like how you like you you brought that up. A good point because, like, when you were talking about online, because mm -hmm. a lot of the division that we see with people who have had their 
um, who have disagreements with what the Pope says, the CDF says, or whatever it might, what might be, right? They go online and they start to attack each other. And it hates yeah. me. It, it bothers me it's, it's to see Catholics hating on each other like that, right? <laughs> um, and it, like this division online that just they, they keep fighting with each other over and over again. And in a sense, you know, I often see like part of the division here is people will go to their community for mass on Sunday, but sort of get like fed elsewhere on in, from these online communities yeah. that feed a certain ideology that they might have, right? Um, yeah, I, I think it's a I think it's a danger, right? Yeah, it's, it, 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 it causes real division. It causes real yeah. division. Yeah, yeah, and that stems from. People on people who are conversing online. Right? Well, and I think we have that available to us more in the last 10, 20 years than we have ever had. Yeah. Right? Like before, you would have to kind of go to the library and find a book on Catholic teaching uh, and read up. And then that was published three years ago. So it took a lot longer for these yeah. um, ideas or political views or whatever to get across to the masses. Now someone tweets it, you know, 2,000, 5,000, 100 million people get yeah. it. Within Instantly. seconds, yeah. you know? And so, like you said, and, and, and because there is so much option, you pick and choose the ones that you feel like, okay, I like this person, but I don't like this person. So then if all I get are these views, then these people are shaping me, not necessarily the Catholic Church. I mean, and it could be, it could be a priest. It could be uh, somebody who's really into their faith. Mm-hmm. But you are now being shaped by specifically the person and their views rather than going to the source of doctrine or dogma and everything else, which is the church. Like when people say, okay, the council of bishops is wrong. This is how something is supposed to be done. uh, That's where I always say, okay, let's take a step back here. Now, you know, we have to believe that as Catholics, we should be believing that God's got a hold of the Catholic church. Sure. You know, and, 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 and he allows us, he corrects us when we're wrong, and he sends people to correct us when we're wrong, like St. Francis in certain times, but, uh, or other, other saints that have been, been around. But the way that these saints correct it is not by going to war and killing everybody and then declaiming victory. The way that they do it always from a, is from a position of humility most of the time, uh, from a way of this is how God works. Even looking at Canton Lamassa, I don't think you ever hear Candle Mass go and look at how great I am. Yeah, but right. his words that he speaks, speaks right to the heart, a lot of times right to the heart of the church and what's going on. And he speaks it from a place of humility. You know what I mean? And that's how God speaks to the church is, is normally, he doesn't, let hum, hum, he doesn't let our human pride get in the way. He, he speaks through humility to that. Yeah, one of the dangers I find with that, this sort of division is that um, it makes us very suspicious of one another. Uh-huh. Let me explain. Yeah. Like, like you know, when people are divided like that, now all of a sudden, um, I find today a lot of people are suspicious of, let's say, what type of priest is coming to their parish, what uh, ideologies this certain parish community might follow. Uh, when when they're invited to a, a men's group or a women's group or a, whatever it might be, there's, there's a lot this? of suspicion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, is this a, a so-called liberal? Yes, leaning group or a conservative leaning group, you know, and it, and it creates this um, unfortunate suspicion yeah. in the church. I think like, and this may be off, so please disagree with me no. or tell me to stop talking, uh, which Matt loves to do. But like, <laughs> it reminds me, think of the Protestant Reformation. Yeah. 
um, when the Protestant Reformation happened only 500 years ago, like 504 years ago now, uh, in the 1517, mm-hmm. right? Um, how much suspicion there was back then. Yeah. Right? So that you had a movement of people trying to, uh, in their eyes, trying to reform the Catholic Church. Um, and then when, when there was this split, eh, there, was a, there was this bitter suspicion, uh, rivalry between Catholics and non-Catholics for a long time that lasted in some areas yeah. of the world still today. Right. Yeah, I, I think I, I was I was going to bring that up with with what Josh was saying because there is there is an appropriate outlet for these questions. If 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 the the church is releasing something that you know uh, you you think should be clarified or, or you have some um, some doubts about, there, there's a way of addressing that within the proper channels of the church. There's um, so. You're right. Twitter. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Social, it's exactly. right in the catechism. Yeah, yeah. Go to Twitter. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and that's also to, like, uh, you don't want to be so naive as to say there, there aren't, uh, you know, political agents within the church. People who are yeah. working within the, like, um, at a parish level and at the kind of yeah. uh, highest ecclesial level that have a political agenda. That sure. like, It would be naive to say that that doesn't exist. Right. I think it's an error to say that that is the central identity of the church. Agreed. But... I think there is a very real problem when that becomes the central identity of the church that you run into the risk of affecting um, a, another Protestant Reformation. Yeah. Because that's, like, e- even, even the Reformation itself yeah. started out as a theological disagreement, started out as these are some tenets or even, even some practices within the church that aren't established dogmatically that are popularized that certain theologians, certain priests have issue with. So you can you can nail the theses to the door, and you can you can start a theological conversation, um, but it becomes a rebellion. It becomes a revolt. It becomes a hard division when your allegiance to these yes. these positions, these propositions, these o- over overtakes your allegiance to the church itself. Um, so you have that division, and and not to say like we don't want to just you know be kind of doom and gloom and, and yeah. say, this is what's coming. There's like, but you can see in kind of extreme examples of this, even now, yeah. that it's, no, the, the, um, what's been released by the church disagrees with me, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm doing my own thing. I'm starting my own mm-hmm. group. I'm yeah. Yeah. rejecting all of these other groups, or I'm suspicious of all these other groups because, you know, they're, um, they're, they're too progressive, or they're too traditional, or they're too, and, and you can have this kind of opposition on both, both ends of the political spec- spectrum, but at that point where your allegiance to kind of your own <laughs> kind of tribalistic uh, position overtakes your allegiance to the church itself, I think that that's that where the problem you is. run the risk of, of kind of, it's, it's kind of a new form of Protestantism. Yeah, yeah. I think too, like, so that's one of those places when you start looking at, for me, when I have a problem with something that someone has said or someone that has said that this is what the church said or this is what the pope said and we've talked about this before the media loves to take what the pope says and twist it and then or then you're hearing all of a sudden cardinals talking about that the pope said this and he meant this and i'm going oh my goodness i can't believe the pope and i'm I'm listening to a cardinal who is saying this is what the pope said and but then when you go to the root of what the pope said it was said this way but it could be interpreted this way or it could be interpreted this way and if you give the pope the benefit of the doubt which, if he ever comes out and set, corrects it, then normally it's the benefit of the doubt. Like, that he, he's, he's meaning it this way. Like, this is completely in line with Catholic Church. If you take it and you try to twist it and it makes it, the, then this is the way it happens. But even with things like Vatican II, that's one of the biggest separations nowadays mm-hmm. when we're talking about people saying uh, Vatican II was wrong or was... 
I don't know too many people that say that Vatican II is wrong if if they've actually gone and studied what Vatican II says. Right. What they normally do when they say Vatican II is wrong, in my understanding or my experience, I would say, is that they say Vatican II is wrong because look at what the church is like now. But that's not necessarily because of Vatican II. That's because of people's interpretations of Vatican II document. So even to the point of, like, even, I'll give you one simple one, is our music. Our music has changed drastically from Vatican II to now. But if you actually go back to the reading, I mean, of what Vatican II, how it's changed or what it's changed to, our very first option for music is supposed to be to chant mm-hmm. the antiphons. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody should, and it's a very specific chant, and everybody should be chanting. This is the way that we should be chanting. Number two is, is another, another, like a seasonal psalm of some sort so that you chant at these times for entrance hymns, for communion hymns, etc. On the number five, like one of the last ones <laughs> is, or pick a song that goes with the readings. You know, I'm not quoting verbatim, but it's basically pick a song that goes with the readings that makes like the, well, that was, you know, and, and since Vatican II, we've all kind of just jumped to number five, yeah. you know what I mean? And that's kind of where we're at in the church. Now, I mean, and that is partly now tradition, especially in the, uh, um, the, the North American uh, Catholic church, if you will. Um, but th- like those are, that's not, Vatican II didn't say, Let's take the music and let's go to here. Mm-hmm. People kind of, and it's been through tradition that we've slowly, like over the last 50 years, dropped to number five. And the number five, the last option on the list is the one that we're going with now because it's easier. Instead of having everyone learn this song or these songs or one of these one, two, three, four, you know? And so I think a lot of times when you look at what the church teaches or how the church teaches, you've got to go right back to the source. And see, why does the church teach us? How does it teach? Like Vatican II documents that come out. What's going on here? What's going And, and for both sides. Like if, if you have a problem with Vatican II because you think it made the church more liberal, let's say. And again, we're using political terms yeah. to describe yeah. the church in that way. But if, if you are more progressive and you think it was wrong, then, then go back to the source and see what Vatican II actually said. But on the flip side, if you are more liberal in, 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 in your mind, Go back to Vatican II and see what exactly the church says, because you're going to find that you might not be living out your faith the way that it's prescribed by the church, because the church has made very specific guidelines, and this is how it's supposed to be. This is how mass is supposed to be celebrated. This is how this is supposed to be done. This is how, you know. So, yeah, and I I think what you mentioned is uh, is a common problem. Let's say because we often, whatever it might be, don't go to the source anymore no. for information. No. Yep. We're, we're headline news readers, right? We see a headline. We don't open the article anymore. And we just, uh, that's how we, oh, did you hear that the, Did you hear that this happened? The you Pope know? said all dogs go to heaven. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> uh, you know, so we're headline uh, readers. But also, how many, people in the, how many people who are Catholics, you know, if you haven't studied further, like your Catholic faith, mm-hmm. How many people have opened up the text of Vatican II, for example? Actually, How many people have, you know, know what Luther was saying in, yeah. the, in the 95 Theses when yeah. he posted them to the door? Uh, how many people are familiar with, you know, like we, we were talking a while back about um, Matt and the RCIA program. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you open up the teachings of the church, even people who come to the church say, oh, I didn't, I didn't, yeah. know, that's, I didn't know that's what the church taught in the catechism or in these things, you know. But we don't go to the source anymore. No. You know, yeah. we're, we read 180 characters of, 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 a, tw- of a tweet, yeah. uh, you know, so or, or, yeah. or you trust a person's views that you like because they speak to you. Right. Like, like yeah. that, that's that's oh, this person said it. So that's must be what truth is. Yeah. And I also that being said, I think it's good 
for Catholics to challenge one another. 100%. But we have to challenge each other in charity. Like, yeah. you know, like <laughs> um, there, there are examples when uh, parishioners might have to challenge their priest of something he said. Yeah. Uh, there might be something that priests has to challenge their parishioners and something that they're doing, whatever it might be. But we do that in love. The church is very large. The church has room for all of us. We're, we're, we're a church of believers who are trying to grow in our faith. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, but, but I think the way we attack one another well, or presuppose. I, yeah, yeah, I was, I was going to say, like, how much better would our public discourse be if everyone who had an opinion about... Vatican II, or like any any sort of ask, actually went to the source material, read it first, and then had the discussion. Had the discussion with, with, in a way that wasn't just yeah, yeah, shutting it down. Because uh, jumping back to the Protestant Reformation, that's that's what kind of should have happened with the, these initial theological challenges. Like though there there is a place for those challenges. There is a place for those discussions, and um, we should be engaged. We shouldn't say, oh, we don't want this to devolve into like you know a political arena where people are just shouting at each other. I'm just going to distance myself. Where, where, where there needs to be a, a proper challenge issued, there should be, and there was. And you have uh, the Council of Trent. Yeah. You have Vatican I. You have the Roman Catechism that comes out of that. Yeah. You challenge the, those practices that have, you know, over time become packaged with all things Catholic, yeah. and you have that discussion. You do theology. You, you, you do the work of, yeah. you know, Calling a council, bringing the cardinals together. You make How, things doctrine or you don't. Yeah, you work towards the aims of yeah. unity yeah. rather than division. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I often think about that too, like in the in the prayers of the church, eh? um, during, uh, the prayers of the Mass. You know, um, Jesus said to his apostles, peace I leave you, peace, peace I give you. you know, do not look on our sins, but on the faith of your church and yeah. graciously grant her peace mm. and unity. Yeah. Peace and unity. This is say what, it in the mass yeah, every day, and, and we're we're supposed to be praying for peace and unity, but often people aren't living peace and unity. Yeah, right. And and I think people are so um, interested sometimes in defending their own maybe yeah. ideologies, or even whether it's their own ideologies, or people feel like they have to protect the church too. Eh? Mm. And and I, I think that uh, that also becomes a problem. Like when we're always like we're like God's security guard, <laughs> yeah. you know, of the church. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, the scriptures, the gates of hell will not prevail upon the church. The church is God's church, yeah. right? Yeah. So instead of being preoccupied with, with defending so much all the time, let's peacefully explain, let's live out, out our faith, but with, with the right, you know, with the right background, yeah. with the right knowledge. And I think you guys said it too, like, but the way that we approach correction, like you're saying, Matt, and stuff, but even on a, just a personal level. So what I would, like, we, in my suggestion or how I've learned to do it in the past now is, is you go right down to what the Bible says. And the Bible says if there's somebody who is at fault, mm. you go to him first yeah. or go to her. Go to them first. Have a discussion with them. Talk to the person. If they don't hear you, <laughs> come back with, Another person, a witness, yeah. so that they like so, and then and then have that conversation again, and then if it doesn't, then bring it forward with more people, and that yeah. like in, is in front of the church. There's three, three to times. the elders, yeah, yeah, with yeah, and 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 then and then that's where we all. But we seem to jump to number three again, yeah. <laughs> like right away. Let's bring it. Number one isn't posted online. Well, that's, that's you know that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, we bring, bring it right to the end, and we say, okay, look, everybody, this person's wrong. Yeah. Instead of, of instead of giving the person the benefit of the doubt and going in right, like, and and there are ways, like you said, there are times where you may need or you may feel like you need to challenge 
someone who is in higher authority in the church, like a priest or a bishop or that kind of thing. But I got to be honest with you, every time, and I worked uh, at the Diocese in Thunder Bay, I, I worked, so there were times where I challenged uh, teachings or letters or something that a priest or a, a bishop might have written and stuff. But every time when I challenged it, you go to the source and you talk, and you, okay, we have to have a talk because I know you're, I know that you're a good, holy man because mm -hmm. I, I respect him and I respect this person or whatever the case may be. Sit down and have a conversation with them. And they explain the way that they've done it or the way that they want this to be taken. And then in my defense would be, I'm taking it this way. So maybe you need to issue some clarification or maybe, you know, but that's the way that I saw it. And maybe they don't need to. Maybe it was just me with my own personal views that are taking offense to it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But Every conversation I've had that way normally comes out on a great, I, I, I never feel like I have to come back with a witness. You know what I mean? Like it normally has that conversation done. Yeah. And we can't separate these conversations from our prayer either. No. Right? Exactly. We have to be praying about these. And again, coming I from. I think the root of everything, uh, really, if we're not praying about it, then it's not going to come out the right way. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And bring it to prayer. Because like, that is the other thing is I, I think of sometimes, and I, I, I shared with you just this week actually, about one time where I had a disagreement with somebody about something that was going just on. Just one in my time? Life. You had a disagreement? Oh, just just yeah. once. Yeah. Uh, but I had a lot of, like, I brought it to prayer and I was like, God, okay, I'm going to talk to this person. Like, I'm going to have, the, like, they're in the wrong. I feel like they're in the wrong because I think we're supposed to be doing it this way. And I, I sat down, I had prayer, I went to the daily mass. And when I, when I met this person, they're like, I need to talk to you. Hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. And so, what, so then I went and talked to them after Mass. And, and they're like, I feel like I might, God wants us to do it this way. And I was yeah. like, oh my goodness. Like, that's what I felt. Like God changed their heart. I didn't have to say anything. I just showed up. And, and God proved to me at that time, he is more powerful. He can change minds. He can do it. I brought it to prayer and he did it for me. You know what I mean? So then all I had to do was sit there. I was, I was fuming with it sometimes. But just through prayer... And making sure, and, but I was also approaching it from a place of humility. I was going to approach this person in, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, in private, and, you know, versus writing it all over social media. <laughs> and I think, I think uh, Kent Lamassa puts it, well, he talks about kind of grounding our discussions about these things in, the, in, the, in prayer, in, yeah. in the person of Christ. Because he, he uh, yes, talks he about um, looking at the, the context of, of Jesus uh, encountering the people that he encountered regularly and that they were they were in different camps you had the sadducees you had the pharisees you had the the zealots um and you had all of these things like uh different sets of expectations of what the messiah should be and he challenged all of them he didn't side with it be like okay this is actually the right this yes. is the right idea group or yes. this is the right kind of political entity um then we're talking about these things like and, and and when we're having discussions about theology about faith what we're assenting to is not a series of propositions or a political position, or being part of a certain group. We're assenting to the person of Christ. And as long as that becomes kind of the center and the grounding of all of our discussions about sacraments, about church history, about liturgy, I think I think that's kind of the, the most mature way of approaching it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who's having difficulties? Like someone who um, can't talk about these things. You know, can't have discussions about sacraments or liturgy or the things you're talking about. Like someone who's just stuck, because yeah, I really love that example that Jesus challenged everyone in, in there. You know, and I think I think there, there's always, Jesus is challenging all of us to, to come to unity. So if someone's stuck, if someone's in a, you know, like some items of our faith make people so angry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't talk about certain things with them because they just get fired up and, yeah. and things. What would be something that, 
people can do, like to to move our mindset from <laughs> stop uh, from stopping us to li- living in this divisive way to trying to grow towards unity. Give it to Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> there was a there was an African priest that I listened to one time at a talk, and he, he's like, "You think." You think just give it to Jesus? He's like, there's not not no problem that you can't that you can solve that Jesus can't solve better. Yeah. He's like, so you give it to Jesus. But in that, so in that way, the way what I mean by that is bring it to Jesus in prayer. Keep on, if it's, if it's you that is struggling with it, then bring it to Jesus in prayer always. If it's you that's struggling with another person that is set in this way that you're having a problem with, yeah. bring it to Jesus in prayer, and then ask Jesus, ask God to, first of all, give, when you're speaking to the person, give you the Holy Spirit. You got the Holy Spirit for baptism, confirmation, all that stuff. So, Holy Spirit, give me the words to speak in this time. Like, say prayers so that you can enter into a prayerful atmosphere and enter into a prayerful conversation with this person, even if the person's not there. But God can give you the wisdom and the right words to say at that time, give you the right ideas in your brain. Like, it, it happens, trust me. It's just amazing sometimes. But when he does that, and 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 to say the right things that trigger that person, oh, I never thought of it that way. Oh, I never, you know. Or if it's for you, to introduce you to those people that can tell that to you or to introduce those things in Scripture or in that that, that support that idea that you're struggling with so hard. Um, there, are, there are areas that I have struggled with and I still do struggle with sometimes. And, and just through even the Bible in a Year podcast that we're listening to every day and stuff, I go, oh my goodness, that supports that. Oh, that just proves what, oh my goodness. So like those little areas of, of struggle that I have, and it's not even necessarily the little bit of sum up at the end. It's just from listening to the word of God that is changing my mind on the things that I'm struggling with that I don't quite align with the church. You know what I mean? Like I, I believe like this is what I'm going to say the church teaches because that's what the church teaches and all that, but I still struggle with this. And then all of a sudden listening to like reading the word or listening to the word or whatever, I'm just going, because I pray, okay, God change my heart. If this is your will, this is, then change my heart and being open to change. And then sure enough, listening, just go like driving in my car going, oh my goodness. Oh, I, like, I want to stop on the side of the road because this makes so much sense to me now. You know, it's just great. So yeah, enter Holy Spirit, give it to Jesus. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm, I would say like a, a similar uh, or a different take on this, the, yeah, the, yeah, same, the same response. Yeah. Um, is that go, go to the source? Yes. So that. It's, it's no secret that I have issue with, like, how most people conduct public discourse online. It's like, but you, 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 people respond in the comment section in a way that you wouldn't dream of speaking to another person face-to-face. Yes. Right. And uh, with COVID, with, uh, you know, limitations, people are getting a lot of this information through online vehicles. And some of them are um, not primary sources. And some of them are very invested in kind of creating these tribal identities invested in creating these anxieties and people get so worked up and so angry that I would say go back to the source that it's yeah. like if you're interested in uh, learning more about the person of Jesus go to the gospels if you're m- interested in church teaching go to the the documents of the church yeah. that it's um, if, if these other kind of commentary um, or discussion forums or commenting um, are causing you this anxiety this anger this this separation from the body of Christ, they're probably not good for you, or they're probably not From where God. you want to engage. <laughs> and if you are, if you are interested in these things, yeah, go, go to the source text. Go to yeah. that. Um, if not, um, you know, um, keep it simple. Uh, pray, read, read yeah. your Bible, have a conversation with another human being. Um, yeah, God will never. God never wants you to feel that way, right? He doesn't want you, but He allows you to feel that way 
He allows you to have that itch. He allows you to feel uncomfortable so that you move somewhere because of it. And so if you're feeling uncomfortable in your faith, figure out why and move in the right direction. Yeah, and I, I think uh, Cantalamessa, going back to what he was saying in, in his homily for Good Friday, he was really focusing on the fraternity aspect of mm-hmm. Christians. You know, yeah. he, and he says Jesus is Jesus came to us as our brother, yeah. and we are yeah. brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, so we have to really treat each other like brothers and sisters. You know, sometimes we brothers and sisters, <laughs> you guys know, brothers and sisters have their arguments and things, but at the end of the day, we we try to do so in love. We try to do so with uh, charity and keeping in mind that we are responsible for maintaining peace and unity in, in our church mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's lots of stuff we could say about the divisions in the church. There's certain topics we can delve into. There's certain historical moments that we could have. We could do a whole episode on the Protestant yeah. Reformation and all these different things, right? Um, but uh, this was sort of the time we had today to break it open. <laughs> and we hope that uh, maybe all of us can sort of reflect a little bit on, you know, where's the division in my own heart, for, in my own faith, in my own um, practice of the faith, and where am I causing division? through my words, mm-hmm. where am I causing division through my social media mm-hmm. posts, through my attitude, through my actions, through yeah. my presence, uh, you know, and really reflect on that, especially when it's uh, between brothers and sisters in Christ, because I think uh, Jesus wants us to be one, just like Cantalamessa started his homily saying that the church is one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We have to be one, holy People. and apostolic together. People don't realize Catholic means universal, means yeah. un- like one solid unity, right? And so universal church. And so every time we say we pray for one holy Catholic and apostolic church, that's what we're praying for every single time. That's why it's little c, not big c, right? That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, John the 23rd, uh, right, right towards the end of his life, said the greatest scandal in the church yeah. is the lack of unity. Hmm. Oh, wow. And this is, this is that, during Vatican II. Like yeah. During the, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, where we're going to end off. The greatest scandal in the church is the lack of unity. Okay, thanks for this discussion today. Yeah. Uh, if any of you have any questions, comments, clarifications uh, that you want to send us, send us uh, an email at thecatholicbuzzpodcast at gmail.com. We'd be happy to send them to Matt for him to review and respond <laughs> to you. Okay, uh, and guess what? Next week we are back uh, and... It is our one-year anniversary of wow, the Catholic eh? Buzz Podcast. That's crazy. Yeah, can you believe people wanted to hear us talk for <laughs> <No>. this long? <laughs> yeah. So next week's episode is uh, is our year anniversary, our 50th episode of the Catholic Buzz Podcast. So join us next week when we uh, look back on some of our memorable and not-so-memorable episodes of the podcast. We'll see you next time on the Catholic Buzz. <laughs>